So, Squirrel will say something about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. he will. He will. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It's good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022, and this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated primarily to the public reading of scriptures and secondarily to my thoughts on various topics of the day. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. I encourage you to head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Check out all the great curated Christian podcasts that are over there, edifying, entertaining, uh, doctrinally sound, good stuff. I commend it to you. All right. Uh, our scripture reading today is we continue to read through the entire Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible Translation. Oh, this is week 38 out of 52. That means there are like 14 more weeks. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 more weeks until we are done with our read-through of the Bible. It's just, it's gone by quick. But it's good to, to look at our filled-in checklist here as we've moved our way through the scriptures. Our scripture reading today is going to be 2 Kings 21, 2 Chronicles 33, Psalm 71, and 2 Corinthians 3. And then uh, we are back to looking at the uh, Frankfurt Declaration on Christian and Civil Liberties. And we're going to be looking... At Article 4 today, excuse me, Article 4 today, God-given mandates and limits of authority. So that's where we're headed after our scripture reading. Well, let us begin, as is our habit, with the Prayer of Confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep, we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful, merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, now Second Kings 21. Manasseh was twelve years old when he became king, and he reigned fifty-five years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to the abominations of the nations whom Yahweh dispossessed before the sons of Israel. Indeed, he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah, as Ahab king of Israel had done, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of Yahweh, of which Yahweh had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. Indeed, he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of Yahweh. He even made his sons pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying and interpreted omens, and dealt with mediums and spiritus. He did much that was evil in the sight of Yahweh, provoking him to anger. 
Then he put the graven images of Asherah, which he had made, in the house of which Yahweh had said to David and to Solomon, his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not make the foot of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave their fathers, if only they will be careful to do according to all that I have commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they did not listen, and Manasseh led them astray in order to do more evil than the nations whom Yahweh destroyed before the sons of Israel. Then Yahweh spoke by the hand of his slaves the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has done evil more than all the Amorites who were before him, and he has also made Judah sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity on Jerusalem and Judah, that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the level of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish. He wipes it and turns it upside down. And I will abandon the remnant of my inheritance and give them into the hand of their enemies, and they will become as plunder and spoil to all their enemies, because they have done what is evil in my sight and have been provoking me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt even to this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood until he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, besides his sin which he had made Judah sin, in doing what is evil in the sight of Yahweh. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and his sin which he sinned, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Manasseh slept with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house, in the garden of Uzzah, and Amon his son became king in his place. Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Meshulameth, the daughter of Heruz of Jotba. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, as Manasseh had father, his father had done. And he walked in all the way that his father had walked, and served the idols that his father had served, and worshipped them. So he forsook Yahweh, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of Yahweh. Then the servants of Ammon conspired against him and put the king to death in his own house. Then the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And he was buried in his grave in the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah, his son, became king in his place. Now, Second Chronicles 33. Manasseh was twelve years old when he became king, and he reigned fifty-five years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to the abominations of the nations whom Yahweh dispossessed before the sons of Israel. Indeed, he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had torn down, and he erected altars for the Baals and made Asherim, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of Yahweh, of which Yahweh had said, In Jerusalem my name shall be forever. Indeed, he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of Yahweh. He even made his sons pass through the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, and he practiced soothsaying, interpreted omens, and practiced sorcery, and dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much that was evil in the sight of Yahweh and provoked him to anger. Then he put the graven image of the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not again remove the foot of Israel from the land which I have set up for your fathers, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, according to all the law, the statutes, and the judgments given by the hand of Moses. Then Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray in order to do more evil than the nations whom Yahweh destroyed before the sons of Israel. Then Yahweh spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore Yahweh brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them, and they captured Manasseh with hooks, 
bound him with bronze chains, and took him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he entreated Yahweh his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Then he prayed to him, and he was moved by his entreaty, and heard his supplication, and returned him back to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that Yahweh was God. Afterwards, he built the outer wall of the city of David on the west side of Gihon, in the valley, even to the entrance of the fish gate, and he encircled the Ophel with it and made it very high. Then he put the military commanders in all the fortified cities of Judah. He also removed the foreign gods and the idol from the house of Yahweh, as well as all the altars which he had built on the mountains over the house of Yahweh and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. And he set up the altar of Yahweh and sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and he said for Judah to serve Yahweh, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed in the high places, although only to Yahweh their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, even his prayer to his God, and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of Yahweh, the God of Israel, behold, they are among the chronicles of the kings of Israel. His prayer also, and how God was entreated by him and all his sin, his unfaithfulness, and the sites on which he built high places, and erected the ashram and the graven images before he humbled himself, behold, they are written in the chronicles of the Hosei. And Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Amon his son became king in his place. Amon was twenty-two years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem, and did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, as Manasseh his father had done. And Amon sacrificed to all the graven images which his father Manasseh had made, and he served them. Moreover, he did not humble himself before Yahweh as his father Manasseh had humbled himself, but Amon multiplied guilt. Then his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his own house. Then the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Ammon, and the people of the land made Josiah his king, his son king in his place. And now Psalm 71. In you, O Yahweh, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver, deliver me and protect me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Protect me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the grasp of the unrighteous and ruthless man. For you are my hope, O Lord Yahweh. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been sustained from my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have become a marvel to many, for you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your beauty all day long. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails, for my enemies have spoken against me, and those who watch my life have counseled together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is no one to deliver. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, hasten to my help. Let those who accuse my soul be ashamed and consumed. Let them be wrapped up with reproach and dishonor, who seek to do me evil. But as for me, I will wait continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall recount your righteousness, and of your salvation all day long, for I do not know the sum of them. I will come to the mighty deeds of Lord Yahweh, when I will bring remembrance to your righteousness, yours alone. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation, your might to all who are to come. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens, you who have done great things. O God, who is like you? You, who have shown me many troubles and evils, will revile, revive me again and will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. May you increase my greatness and turn to comfort me. I will also praise you with the harp, even your truth, O my God. To you I will sing praises with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. 
My lips will sing for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also will utter your righteousness all day long, for they are ashamed, for they are humiliated who seek to do me evil. And now 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter, having been written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, ministered to by us, having been written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of hearts of flesh. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters, having been engraved on stones, came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, which was being brought to an end, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be even more in glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had been glorious in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which was being brought to an end was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness and are not like Moses who used to put, on, put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the consequences of what is being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant the same veil remains unlifted, because it is brought to an end in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, well, we are returning to look at the Frankfurt Declaration of Christian and Civil Liberties again this morning. Mm. After a sip of this wonderful Montana Coffee Traders Trailblazer coffee. Good stuff. All right. The Frankfurt Declaration on Christian and Civil Liberties, we know, is, is a, a statement that... Uh, I think is very important for our time. It's clearly um, a reaction to the government actions during the recent COVID crisis. It's also an answer to the World Economic Forum's desire for a great reset and other things that uh, we see our world headed towards. And so this is taking a stand 
against totalitarianism, against government control of individuals regarding their worship of God, regarding their own decisions about their own health, all of these things. And, and it's, a, it's, it's been very, very, very strong statement that needs to be made. Okay, so we have Article 1 was God the Creator as Sovereign Lawgiver and Judge. Article 2 was God as the Source of Truth and the Role of Science. Article 3 was Mankind as the Image of God. And this morning we're looking at Article 4, God-given mandates and limits of authority. So we remember that all authority is God's. Whatever authority humans have is delegated authority. And all delegated authority is limited authority. The Declaration states, We affirm that all earthly authorities derive their authority, the right to be obeyed, from God who is over all and to whom all must give account. We believe that he has established their different spheres of responsibility, i.e. mandates, and in so doing has set limits to their authority. God has delegated authority to civil governments for the purpose of rewarding good and punishing evil and to protect the God-given rights and freedoms granted to all people. He has also delegated authority to the church in its various expressions, particularly to make disciples of all nations by preaching the word of God and to establish and administer redeemed communities of faith living under the authority of Christ. In addition, he has delegated authority to the family as the basic unit of society for the purpose of fostering social co societal cohesion and sexual fidelity and to protect provide for, raise, and educate children in the way of the Lord. We affirm our right as citizens, parents, and Christians to freely self-determine our beliefs and behaviors based on these truths. We therefore deny totalitarian ideologies of government which do not recognize the boundaries of their authority and usurp the authority delegated by God to the church or the family. In particular, we reject the tendency of governments to centralize beliefs and conduct for their citizens by creating an authoritarian society in which the state is absolute. Such totalitarianism and statism is built upon beliefs that have fundamentally redefined good and evil and the nature of human beings and are contrary to the divine order of things. The effect of such beliefs is to enslave individual and religious freedoms, and engender an ideological intolerance which seeks to silence, cancel, and re-educate those who disagree. We also oppose the view that children are the property of the state and therefore subjects to be indoctrinated, and also any encouragement or manipulation of children to undergo medical procedures without parental consent. Oh, there's a lot here. First, all authority comes from God. This is clearly taught in the scriptures, Romans 13. And because all authority comes from God, that authority is accountable to God because God is above every authority. I, I've recently seen several uh, members of the Congress of the United States, both the House and the Senate, make statements that God has nothing to do with the government of the United States. All authority is God's. And God has delegated authority to civil governments. And that authority is under God's authority. And don't ever doubt it. And everyone will give an account of how they use their God-given authority. The Declaration continues, We believe that he, God, has established different spheres of responsibility and in so doing has set limits to their authority. God has delegated authority to civil governments for the purpose of rewarding good and punishing evil. Remember, to reward good and punish evil, not to define good and evil. 
God defines good and evil. Governments are to reward good and punish evil. Whenever a government says something is evil that it, God says is good or says something is good that God says is evil, God's word says woe to them. Go back and read Isaiah chapter 5. Um, it's pretty, pretty plain in that respect. So God has delegated authority to civil governments for the purpose of rewarding good and punishing evil and to protect the God-given rights and freedoms granted to all people. The, the guaranteeing and protecting the rights of, of its citizens is a prime duty of a government. You know, that's the, the whole thing of the Constitution of the United States. We need to understand that, that a lot of people think the, dec the, the Constitution, the, the Bill of Rights especially, is the government granting of these rights to the citizens. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Constitution says that the government has no right to infringe upon the God-given rights of the citizens. And when we talk about God-given rights, those are rights that are possessed by every human being everywhere in the world. So, you know, the right to keep and bear arms, the right to be secure in your own person, the right to, you know... Um, you know, all of these things, the, these rights that, that, uh, that are enshrined in the Constitution are not granted by the Constitution. And we believe firmly that in other nations where those rights are not allowed to the people, that is an infringement by the government on their God-given rights. So consider that. God has also delegated authority to the church in its various expressions, particularly to make disciples of all nations by preaching the word of God and to establish and administer redeemed communities of faith living under the authority of Christ. That's not the authority of the state. That's the authority given to the church to preach and proclaim the word, to preach and proclaim the gospel, to make disciples teaching them to obey all that Christ commanded, to baptize them, to, to form faith communities, redeemed communities of faith. So it's saying that the church is the redeemed, which we've been saying for centuries. The church is not so much an organization as it is the gathering of the redeemed of God. And God has given to the church elders and deacons to govern, to teach, to serve the church. These are God's gifts to the church. A church can exist without elders, without deacons, but it will not be an organized church. The church must be set in order by the appointment of biblically qualified elders and deacons to serve the church, to guide the church, to instruct the church, and to govern the church. This is the biblical plan. And that's an authority that's given to God for the church. The church is not to punish the wicked and, and reward the good in the general society. Now, there is church discipline and stuff like that. We're inside the church. There are things that have to be taken care of. But in general society, the church is not to govern the world. So we do believe in the separation of church and state in the sense that the government should not interfere in the operation of the church and the church should not try to usurp the purposes of the government. The separation of church and state does not say that Christians 
are not supposed to influence the government or that the government shouldn't be guided by scriptural principles. That's not separation of church and state. Separation of church and state refers to the spheres of authority and operations. In addition, God has delegated authority to the family as the basic unit of society for the purpose of fostering societal cohesion and sexual fidelity. The family was the first organization instituted by God. The family. Genesis chapter 1. As Jesus said, from the beginning, God made them male and female, and a man shall leave his father and mother, cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Deuteronomy chapter 6, that, you know, you're supposed to teach your children Raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Teach them the things of God. Teach them the things of this world. The, you know, the, the marriage is the only valid place for sexual expression. The only, I mean, sex is a gift from God to married couples, a man, meaning a man and a woman. So heterosexual marriage <laughs> is the only real marriage. And that is a gift from God. So, um, and it is the family that should be raising children. It says uh, to protect, provide for, raise, and educate children in the way of the Lord. That is the purpose of the family, not the state. And many ways, one of the worst things we ever did was start government schools. Now, there's a place, I mean, not every parent is going to be able to teach every child higher mathematics. I mean, there's a, there's a place for experts in subjects to instruct. But they're, at the same time, Children belong to the family. Children belong to their parents. That's the parents' God-given authority. It's not the state's. That's why we get into this. It says that uh, we affirm our rights as citizens, parents, and Christians to freely self-determine our beliefs and behaviors based on these truths. We therefore deny... Totalitarian ideologies of government which do not recognize the boundaries of their authority and usurp, authority, usurp the authority delegated by God to the church and the family. Whenever a government steps outside of its God-given mandate, it is no longer a legitimate government. We need to understand that. In particular... The statement continues, we reject the tendency of governments to centralize beliefs and conduct for their citizens by creating an authoritarian society in which the state is absolute. The state is not absolute. Its authority is limited to that which God has delegated it to. Its authority is limited to protecting the rights of its citizens and to punish evil and reward good. Yeah. Basically, police and military. Now, I am not an Ayn Rand objectivist um, because she had some very weird ideas um, and she was extremely anti-supernatural. She rejected all belief in God and everything. But, she had a great definition of a government that I think was valid. Her definition of a government was a government exists to protect its citizens against those who would use force against it. Basically, police and military, punishing of crime and defending of borders. That was her purpose of a government. Her purpose also includes the enforcement of contract law which is important, and that's a discussion for another time. But, uh, you know, having a, an authority to enforce 
legitimate agreements that have been made is not a bad that that's actually defending the rights of the citizens and that would be a god-given mandate obviously you don't enforce illegitimate contracts but if it's a legitimate and valid contract and legal then there needs to be some sort of enforcement mechanism for it but like i said that's a discussion for a different time but we reject this tendency of governments to centralize beliefs. A government, again, does not get to define good and evil. And so when a government begins to mandate of the people, you must believe this, that is an error. And when the government says that they have the authority to command belief. Beliefs are only changed through persuasion and ultimately through God's decree and the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart. But you can only persuade and present reasoning. You can't force someone to believe something. I mean, we have people who at least profess, I, I honestly think the flat earth people are, are one of the biggest internet trolls out there. I think there, there probably are a few people who believe that the earth is flat, but they are very few and far between. I think the vocal flat earth people are just trying to get a rise out of people even though they don't believe, truly believe that the earth is flat. But let's say there are people who believe that the earth is flat. No law, no king, no congress can force a person to change what they believe. You can punish them for believing it. You can lock them up. But you can't make them change their beliefs. That's beyond the power of man. Like I said, you can present arguments, you can present reasonings, you can try to persuade them that they are wrong in their belief. But you can't command that they believe something. And, and it says that such totalitarianism and statism is built upon beliefs that have fundamentally redefined good and evil and the nature of human beings and are contrary to the divine order of things. Is what I was just saying. The effect of such beliefs is to enslave individual and religious freedoms and engender an ideological intolerance which seeks to silence, cancel, and re-educate those who disagree. Um, this would fall... I've been doing a lot of work in the English Reformation study of the history of the English Reformation and the... Uh, divine right of kings arguments that King James and King Charles I and King Charles II um, espoused, where they were, you know, mandating belief. See, I don't even believe in the, in the Church of England, in, in the Middle Ages, under Elizabeth um, and under James I, you know, they outlawed Roman Catholicism. Now, I reject Roman Catholicism as a true church. The Church of Rome is not a true church. The Pope is not the head of the church. Um, and, and, you know, it's one of the things I, I, I don't refer to the Church of Rome as the Catholic Church because those who truly have trusted it by faith in Christ for their salvation, make up the Catholic Church. The Reformers never would call Rome Catholic because they were like, no, they're not even a church. <laughs> they're not part of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is all those who have been born again and believe and been saved. That's the Catholic Church. The Church in Rome is not the Catholic Church. That's why I can say the in the, the words of the Apostles' Creed, 
that um, I believe in, you know, the Holy Catholic Church. Or in the words of the Nicene Creed, you know, the, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I think that's the wording. I can say I believe that because I understand that the church is made up of the redeemed. Going back to the affirmation there. The church of Rome is not redeemed. Now, I'm not saying that there are not saved people in the church of Rome. But they're saved in spite of Roman doctrine, not because of it. Um, if someone actually believes everything that's written in the catechism of the Roman Catholic Church, they are not doctrinally sound Orthodox Christians. Now, are there people who have truly repented and trusted Christ and are confused by the teachings that they've received all their life? Absolutely. And that's true in, in, uh, in Rome as much as it is in, you know, Protestantism. Um, there are some very confused Christians out there. And I think we're all confused about some stuff because the noetic effect of the fall. But the Church of Rome is not a true church. And so I believe that the crown of England was wrong to outlaw Roman Catholicism. At the same time, I believe that the Roman Catholic parts of Europe were absolutely wrong to outlaw Protestantism. Um, Islam is absolutely wrong to, to outlaw Judaism and Christianity. The, you know, and, and the totalitarian state of China is absolutely wrong in banishing any religion apart from the worship of the state. They're treading upon matters of personal conscience. That's outside the bounds of government authority. And listen to what the effect of this is. The effect of such beliefs is to enslave individual and religious freedoms and engender an ideological intolerance which seeks to silence, cancel, and re-educate those who disagree. Forced re-education. You know, I mean, there are people espousing that now. If you reject transgenderism, they think you should be in a camp somewhere. And they publicly espouse it. They said so on Twitter and Facebook and, and in interviews. And then there's the, the things that, that are being said by, like, the World Economic Forum. Where, you know, and this is the thing. It's not a secret conspiracy. Everybody says, you're, you're just a conspiracy theorist. No, it's not a secret conspiracy. Go to the World Economic Forum's own website and read what they've said. Those of us who are critical of the World Economic Forum are simply saying what they've said and pointing out that their totalitarian status who want to mandate their worldviews, not persuade, not present rationalizations and arguments, they want to silence anyone who disagrees. This whole thing of cancel culture is exactly this silencing and canceling and re-educating those who disagree. That is a clear sign of totalitarianism, and that is a clear sign of a civil government that is stepped outside of its bonds, outside of its, its God-given mandate. Continuing, they say, so that's the state and the church saying that the, the government should not have anything to do with the personal beliefs of the people. But here is also, we also oppose the view that children are the property of the state and therefore subjects to be indoctrinated. I don't know if you've noticed the arguments that have been put forth by educators for decades now, but really vocally in the last few years that it's their job to educate the children, not the parents, that the parents need to get out of the way and let the, the professionals handle it. And that the purpose of education, going back to, to, to uh, John Dewey, 
they have been saying that the purpose of education is to train the children not in what the parents believe, not in knowledge, but in attitude and belief. They're, they're far surpassing any authority given to them by the people. Yeah. Like I said, there's a place for outside educators. You know, not every parent is an engineer who can teach his child engineering. Not every parent is a history buff like I am who could teach their children history. Not every parent is a mathematician, which I'm not, who can teach their children higher mathematics. There's a place for outside educators. There's a place for outwardly formed curriculum. But the passing on of knowledge is different from the passing on of attitudes and beliefs. And our school system, not just in the United States, but in most Western cultures, our school system has appropriated to itself the authority to shape the beliefs and attitudes of the students. Now, it used to be the beliefs and attitudes of a school system reflected the beliefs and attitudes of the parents in the community. That was why schools were under local control of a local school board. You know, the authority of a local school board is very limited anymore. It's the, the state and federal departments of education in the United States that lay down what must be taught in a school. It's not the school board, which is a, the local body that's supposed to control the school. And even then, look at the, the recent issues with school boards that deemed themselves to be unaccountable to the parents in the school. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tangled web. So we also oppose the view that children are the property of the state and therefore subjects to be indoctrinated, and also any encouragement or manipulation of children to undergo medical procedures without parental consent. There have been instances where children have been taken away from parents, young children, 10, 11, 12 years old, have been taken away from their parents, have been removed from parental control so that the state could allow, I don't know if that's the right word, encourage and allow the child to undergo quote-unquote sex reassignment surgery, medical and chemical mutilation to become a simulacrum of the opposite sex. Remember, a man can't become a woman, nor can a woman become a man. At most, they can become a chemically or mutilated, a chemically or surgically mutilated facsimile of the other sex. You can't change your sex, you know, any more than you, you can change your eye color or your skin color, your hair color. I mean, you can dye your hair, but that doesn't change the actual color of your hair. I mean, I've thought about coloring the gray in my hair, but that wouldn't change the fact that I got gray hair. It's one of the reasons I haven't done it. This is the hair God gave me. I'll live with it. So we reject the encouragement and manipulation of children to undergo medical procedures without parental consent. You know, a kid can't get a tattoo without their parents signing off on it. They shouldn't be allowed to get an abortion or sex change surgery either without the parents signing off on it. And indeed, I look at it as child abuse. I, I, any parent that signs off on it has abrogated their rights and their God-given authority as a parent. Not quite sure how to deal with that. I have thoughts, but I don't know really uh, 
my thoughts are not necessarily kind or godly on that subject. All right. Well, I will post again the link to the Franklin, the Frankfurt De Declaration. You can read through it. You can uh, sit down. There is a list of, of, uh, of scriptural proofs here for this, um, this article. So I would encourage you to sit down, go through the, the scriptural proofs, compare them with the article, and make sure that the article does indeed say what scripture teaches. Um, I encourage you to do that. Always search the scriptures to see whether these things are so. Okay, programming note, just so everybody remembers, um, I will be gone the next couple of weeks, starting Monday. So I'll be here the next three days, but then I'm gone for two weeks. Um, heading down to, to Conway, Arkansas for early church history with Dr. James White. Looking forward to that greatly. I'm excited. But uh, that means that I won't be here live for the podcast. So here is the plan. I am going to pre-record audio only, mainly because it takes too long to process and upload video, of the scripture readings for the next two weeks so that we can stay on track for the scripture readings. I'm not going to do anything beyond the scripture readings so there will be no Theology Thursday. There's not going to be a Federalist Friday. We'll have them this week, but I'm not going to be there while I'm gone. It'll just be the scripture readings so that we can stay up on the scripture readings. And then when I return, we'll get back into our regular, regular uh, plateau of events. That means we're not going to finish the Frankfurt Declaration until I get back. Um, all that is left is the conclusion. We have gone through, I believe, gone through all the, I believe this was the last article. And then there is a concluding statement. So that'll, we will wrap that up when I return. Um, but in the meantime, I encourage you to check it out for yourself. And uh, yeah, that's that. All right. So now you know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. And so I encourage you as I'm preparing to travel to Conway and others are preparing to travel to Conway for this on-campus intensive, if you would be in prayer for all of us who are going to be traveling, to uh, that God would watch over us and keep us safe on the road. Pray for Dr. White as he uh, continues to prepare to teach the class. Um, we only have like three full days of lectures, which is going to make it really tough to get an entire semester. It should be four days, but it's going to be three. That's just the way of it. Um, but it's going to be, when they call it an intensive, they're not kidding. <laughs> it's going to be an intense few days down there in Conway as we try to absorb all of this church history in uh, just a few days. So, all right, folks. Have a great Tuesday. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.